Welcome back to Swing the Twig. It is a Friday. I'm Tommy Franks. Jeff Wilkinson, Anthony Colasano are all here. Dom will be here on Tuesday for the last Swing the Twig show before we move over to the Yankee State of Mind, which will be coming very shortly after the World Series. So we are very excited for that. Guys, what's going on? We got a great series uh, on our hands here in the World Series. A lot's happened since we actually uh, were on last. Yeah, it's been um, exciting to say the least. And it's really been the best of both teams being showcased uh, the past few games. Do you think a no-hitter, a combined no-hitter rather, should be considered in the same the same um, stratosphere as a normal no-hitter like what we saw with Houston on Wednesday night I mean they're, they're gonna hype it up in the same regard we've seen them hype it up similarly to if one person was pitching it and I know I know we've talked about that uh, extensively quite a few times on this show we have um, yeah so whatever we've had to say about that we've said but I mean it's impressive nonetheless for Houston and pathetic for the Phillies. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a uh, great series, but I mean, when you look at it, I don't know if you could say four, what was it? Four pitchers, right? Three pitchers. I think it was four. It's a, uh, you know, it's so, I don't know. Like it, obviously it's a it's a great effort cuz you you force a team to not not get a hit at all, you know, throughout the the game, which is hard to do in and of itself. But the impressive tell me, we've debated this before. The most impressive part of a no-hitter to me is the fact that a pitcher can throw like, I don't know, 130 pitches by the end of it, maybe more sometimes, and grind it out all the way to the very end. This is like, all right, 80 pitches, he gets taken out, a fresh guy comes in, and can and he's he has a fresh arm and he can keep it going. Now it's still hard to keep going again, but I don't know if it's as impressive as people think it is the combined aspect, right? I mean the combined aspect of it doesn't make it because I think the 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 great thing about perfect games and no hitters is the fact that you know the same pitchers going up and facing the same batters three and four times because that's also when the hitters are also figuring out the pitcher. So for them to still be able to dominate and get them out so much deeper in the game when they're already fatigued and the hitter's already seen what they have in their arsenal already, it makes it that much more special, which is why like these so-called combino hitters are kind of like, eh, they're great, but they're not like spectacular. Like they said, oh, second no-hitter in World Series history, right? Last one to do it was obviously the only one to do it, Don Larson, but like he did it by himself, you know, so... It's like it's cool to see, but like it doesn't have that same aura as one person doing it, you know. But it's just the name of the game now. I don't think we'll ever see, um, like a no hit. I don't think we'll ever see one person do a no hitter again unless their pitch kind of slow. A perfect game maybe depends on who the guy is and also like the manager too if they're willing to keep them in the game. Because right, all these guys are on pitch counts now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I get it. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a hard thing, but to still do. And the Phillies, it was shocking. First of all, the Phillies were averaging seven runs a game, guys, in in the playoffs at home, and at home they were aver- averaging seven runs a game. They looked impressive. All of a sudden, they just get no hitting. I mean, it 
how much has this, this series really shifted back to the Astros? Because we said the momentum's on Philly's side on Tuesday because of the fact that they got three home games. They made it virtually a best, you know, three out of five situation, but, um, you know, or yeah, best three out of five. It's, it's interesting to me just how quickly this shifted the momentum. Cause now Houston's doing is winning this game as we're recording the podcast and they're dominating Syndergaard. Uh, scratch um, that yeah, actually scratch it's that. tied now. Schwarber hit a bomb. Okay. But, but point regard, but case in point though, Syndergaard has been, Syndergaard is struggling a little bit to start out this game, right? Houston is starting to get their, you know, starting to get their offense together in, in areas that they struggled in before guys like Altuve, um, a little bit, Alvarez, a little bit. I mean, they're starting to show like they're capable of winning this whole thing. If they win this game on Thursday and go back to Houston for six or, and or seven. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing with today, it's like Verlander's on the mound, and the Phillies don't have Nola, so it it's that much harder to try and take today. And I mean, I I get what the Phillies are trying to do. You know, they're trying to save their one two for the for the win it all or go home games that are gonna happen in Houston. So like, I get it to that extent, but like, I I just don't see the logic in it. The Phillies, I, I, though, I do, I see it, mm. because if they win, right, they have the leverage, right. Mm. But if they lose, you right, you have your best outcome possible, right. Obviously, this game's a big game because this is basically like basically Pearson. Oh, whoever wins Game Five can win the whole thing, which is fair, right? Their percentage of winning is going to yeah. go up, but like when your two aces are going to be at the helm for Game Six and Seven, I mean, you got to like those chances. And also, too, this is it for Verlander, right? You're not going to see them in Game 6 and probably not Game 7 either. They're not going to do that thing they did in 2019 where they're like, oh, we might have Garrett Cole come out of the bullpen. right? They're not going to do that with Verlander because that's just, you know, they. I don't I don't think Dusty would, would be able to do that. Um, so I think it, it's a high risk. I do agree with you on there, Jeff. But if they win, like they pull it off, I mean, Rock Tom's going to look like a genius. So they, they yeah. just got to win. Yeah, I mean, Jeff, you said it before we started. Like you were, you were blown away at the fact that Aaron Nola wasn't pitching any of these games, and he's he hasn't pitched since game one. You were the first one to say that he had five or six days rest. He's yeah. he's well within the rest period time for an average major league starting pitcher during the regular season, you know. And now it's the World Series where you kind of need him. I'm I I know, like you guys said, I know why because they want him for the deciding games potential. But to me, that that just goes for the that goes towards the playing for tomorrow mentality that we've talked against. The kind of stuff that Boone did with the Yankees, the the play for tomorrow mentality. Is that really the mentality the Phillies should have when they're trying to win this World Series? Especially considering that they really have nothing to lose in this situation at all. Yeah. Now this game five. I mean, as much as we can point to having a win today and saying, "Oh, this is a must win for Houston." All they had to do was take one game in Philly, and not just because if they didn't, they would have gotten swept and lost the World Series 4-1, to one. but they needed to win a game in Philly so that they would have two games at least at home that they could reasonably win. Mm-hmm. You know, the Phillies don't have that luxury. If they lose today, they might as well sign their season off and start packing their bags. This is a must-win for Philly. 
So mm-hmm. to go to go in today without having your ace against their ace to risk it to that extent, it's it's questionable to me at least. It's very questionable. Would you go would you really go that far though to say that that series is basically over if they lose this game tonight? I know you're I know you're going on the road and it's an elimination game at that point, but they've been they've proven that they can fight back against really yeah, anything, I mean, guys. Yeah, I mean, look, like what the Phillies have done this postseason has been nothing short of miraculous, quite honestly, the run that they've made. But I mean, the magic dies out at some point. And it does. There and there there's just some shifts in momentum, especially if Houston takes two out of three in Philly going back into Houston. And you know that Houston crowd's going to let him hear it. You know they're going to be volatile as hell towards the Phillies now. So to carry that mentality into Houston in two potential win and survive or go home games, that's going to be damn near impossible for any team quite honestly to come back from yeah i mean that's that's tough situation like you know there's some there's some teams where you're like all right the fight's over like you're you lost that pivotal game and now you have to fight an elimination game going to the going to the other team on the road jeff i hate to remind you but it's like it's like the lightning and the rangers series right like I went to pretty much every home game that uh, series except for one. No, no, no. I make a point with this. I don't. I don't mean to. Yeah, I, I I know you're going to. Yeah, I I I know. I'm I'm trying to make a point here. Like every game the Lightning had at home in Tampa that I was at, except for one of them, Ranger fans swarmed the place. Guess which game they didn't swarm the place in it, and it was pretty much empty. I didn't. I saw no blue shirts at all. We're learning the Ranger colors. That game six. That game after the Lightning beat New York at the Garden, the game they needed to win in order to really win the series. It's like it's like the fans just lost all hope, Jeff. I mean, you even told me, like, I'm not even going to watch the game. Yeah. <laughs> like, Ranger fans just gave up that night. So I say that to say, like, okay, like, maybe if Philly loses, maybe something similar can happen. Where, you know, if, if, if Houston wins the Thursday night and goes into game six and to Houston... You really think Philly's going to travel to Houston for that game six? It's going to be tough. I mean, you got to you have to win both games if you're the Phillies. Very different than that Rangers series, Jeff, because if you won game six, you'd be going back home for game seven. Yeah. This, you have to win both in Houston. There's no letting up at, for anything, and there's no game seven at home. You're done in Philly. This is Philadelphia's last home game of the season, regardless of what happens tonight. So... You know, when you think about it that way, uh, it's it's a pretty, you know, um, it's a uh, tough situation to, if you're the Phillies, you know. So it's a, um, I, I mean, all the pressure's on them, I guess, because Houston can literally be trailing and come back at home, right? Mm-hmm. It's just that perfect scenario. And look at Houston, right? Here's the positive side for the Phillies. Verlander's going tonight. I mean, that's the ace is going tonight. So who's left for Houston in game six or seven? We know Verlander wouldn't pitch seven. Uh, Valdez. He's no, he's no bumping a log though. We know that. Yeah. And then, uh, oh God, what's his face? Um, not Vasquez. Yes, back. No, not Vasquez. 
we're talking. Wait, you're saying you're saying Valdez and who else would there be? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, uh, yeah. Valdez, um, would probably pitch, and then uh, Urquidy. It would be Valdez and Jose Urquidy pitching. We would see him come in. We haven't seen him in a while. Jose Urquidy. Put in McCullers after what he did in game. That's true. That's true. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, McCullers has been pretty bad this postseason. That's a good point. Actually, I totally forgot. The Astros pitching. What's that? I mean, if anything, if game seven, you could put in McCullers as an as an opener, and then have like Javier as you know in the pen. Dusty might would that might be an option of Dusty doing if it does get to a game seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the 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 only other guy you'd want to put in would be Javier. Yeah, I mean he's been one of the I, better I, ones. I could see that. Yeah, that's an interesting situation, regardless. But it, I do think if Houston wins this game, it's it's not totally over. But I think the fans would be like, "All right, like we got to win two in Houston. That's pretty tough, regardless." Yeah. Like even when Philly had the momentum and after game one, Houston still stormed back and got that game two without really much of an issue. It was like five one or five two or something of a win. So Houston's able to fight back at home, no problem. Even when it looked like Philly had all the momentum. So I think, you know, I, I do think if if Philly loses this game, it's I don't want to say it's done, but it's pretty close to that. There's no um it's going to be pretty tough to come back from that sort of situation. All right, guys, we can move right on because there's a lot of free agency that's going to be happening immediately after the series is over. And AC, this is something we discussed about with regard to Edwin Diaz. We think he's on his way out for the money. Do you think that do you think the Mets will do everything they can to pay him that kind of money? Uh, I mean, I don't know. That's up to Cullen. I mean, it depends how much he's willing to break the bank and pay in, in luxury tax. I mean, um, I wouldn't put it past him, but I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's Diaz's decision, right? I think he's going to obviously look to where the money is, but also I'm, I'm sure he's going to look at the situation too, where I don't think he's going to just go to like a, like a sorry team in the league just for the money. I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to want to go to a team that is paying him, but also is, is, is winning, right. Or is on the way to winning. Um, and that right. he could be an impactful player for them. So, I mean, obviously the Mets are going to be up there. I mean, I really don't know who else, maybe Seattle, you know, you know, he, he, I could see him, I could see him going there. Um, That'd be dangerous if you went to Seattle. <laughs> you know, I mean, he could go, I'm trying to think of where else he could go. You know the Indians, maybe. I know they have they have some money. Cleveland, yeah, Guardians. So it, it, yeah. It, all, it all depends. But but that statement kind of said like you know as much as you know you want to stay loyal to the team that kind of like in essence rejuvenated his career. You know, mm. At the end of the day, you do have to be selfish because in 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 everyone's scenario in free agency, you kind of only have one shot of making as much money as you possibly can, which is why he's going to do that. That's why Judge is going to test the waters as well because you only have one opportunity. So. Yeah, and especially if you're a closer or coming out of the bullpen, you know, there are so many guys who, especially coming out of the bullpen, they are completely dominant for a couple of years, and then it's like out of nowhere, they just fall off the, fa- they fall off the face of the earth, and it's like, what happened to you, you know? And there, there's been so many guys that's happened to, I mean, hell, we can look at one guy on the Mets right now, Adam Montavino, this guy, you know, who claimed he would strike out Babe Ruth 
more times than any of us could dream of, <laughs> and he completely falls off the face of the earth afterwards. And yeah. that that that's just one example. This happens to the grand majority of bullpen pitchers, and they just become re- irrelevant after. So they need to cash in when they're at their prime, or they're not going to get that money back. I do have to admit, Adovino did have a pretty good 2022. Yeah, he did. He did uh, compared it, to previous was, years. Yeah, it, it it was a bit of a revival, mm-hmm. kind of more what we expected out of Adovino, but I mean, the last couple of years have been brutal, for mm-hmm. him, to say the least. Without a doubt. Yeah, I agree. And that's, you know, there's another priority that the Mets need to make besides Jacob deGrom, obviously. We don't have to mention his name, um, Edwin Diaz. There's also Brandon Nimmo. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's talks of him maybe, maybe the Yankees may, may want him. Maybe there's there's other teams that want him. If you're the Mets, do you really have interest in keeping a guy like Brandon Nimmo on, on that roster? I mean... I- I don't really know if they need him per se. I mean, like N- Nimmo is good this year, but I don't, I don't think he's a guy that you have to go and prioritize over guys like Degrom or Bassett or Walker or Seth Lugo. You know that I don't think that's a guy they need to go after necessarily. I think one, I think one of the biggest problems for the Mets have been the tendency for their pitchers, especially their bullpen to implode over the past, I don't know how long have the Mets been in organization for? <laughs> so yeah. that's where they need a focus to change that, to change the culture of their entire franchise. Quite honestly, they need to go after those guys and retain them. I don't really think they need to keep a guy like Brandon Nimmo necessarily. Yeah. I mean, that's what, if you're a Yankee as a Yankee fan, would you want him on, on the team in any way? I mean, there's a couple Mets that I know Yankee fans would want, but I mean, not Nim- not Nimmo specifically, and it ties back into what we said on Tuesday, on uh, yeah, on Tuesday about Benintendi. You know, like, is there even a spot for him? I don't think there is. I don't think the outfield, with the exception of Genry of Aaron Hicks, I don't think it's a spot that we have to worry about necessarily. I think it's the entire infield outside of Rizzo and DJ and then trying to find that ever elusive four or five pitcher that we don't trade away in after a season and a half or who doesn't, you know, beat their wife or something. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, no, that's, that's fair. I get it. So, all right. I'm going to close out by this because we don't have much going on for, for this show. This is going to be a pretty short show compared to most that, that you'll, you'll notice. Let's, let's close it out with this guys as Yankee fans. Who do you want to see uh, regarding trades, free agent acquisitions besides Aaron judge, anything else regarding the team? Who do you want to see come to New York? New face trade, anything. What is your what is your transaction you want to see this offseason? I'll let both of you go for this. I hate to I I hate to be that stereotypical Yankee fan and just go after the biggest name on the free agent market who we know is going to be a free agent, but Trey Turner. I mean it If you get how, Trey how, Turner, 
yeah, how how could you not want anybody else? You know, our Torres, I'm sorry, Torres isn't just cutting it for me and IKF has become like a liability almost and Donaldson isn't good in any in to any extent of the word good. He is not good. And Rizzo's getting up there in age, and DJ is becoming very injury-prone right now. We need someone in the infield who's going to do their job, who's going to hit, who's going to actually play defense. And that's what Trey Turner can do for us. And again, like I hate, I hate to be that, oh, we got to go after the biggest name on the free agent market because that's like all the Yankees have done in the history of ever. But, I mean... That's what we need. Maybe not Trey Turner specifically. There might be someone else we can pick up on a, on a bit of a cheaper contract, sort of like a DJ LeMahieu signing. But I think Trey Turner's the guy we have to go after. If you get a guy like Turner, does that mean Aaron Judge goes for you, financially speaking? I think he has to. I think if we can't get Judge, we have to get Trey Turner. Well, I think every Yankee fan would agree with that. If you can't get Judge in that case... So, so that so w- can you have it both ways, or do you think it's one or the other at this point? I think it's I think it's one or the other. I think I think certain contracts that shall not be named because we've brought them up too many times. Everyone sure. should know what contracts specifically we're talking about are eating up too much money out of our purses for this upcoming year, and I don't think it can be swung at least not without pe- at least not without either some masterful trades to offload those salaries or paying a ridiculous amount in luxury tax. Yeah, I get it. AC, who is you who would be your biggest transaction or top priority in the offseason if you could pick one or a couple if you want? Um I don't know. I think mine would have to be. I don't know. I think mine would have to be uh, pitching. Okay. Who would who would you go with? I think I think that they have to kind of sure up the rotation a little bit. I think if I was Cashman, if if that in my head, all right, I have a solid one two punch and Cole and and Cortez, right? Severino's locked up. He's the three, but you know he's always a question mark because he's healthy for two months and then he'll get hurt for three months and then he's back. So, you know, and pitching wins championships. And, you know, when we were, you have to remember when we were rocking and rolling, you have to remember how solid the pitching staff was during that time. And a lot yes. of the games that we were winning, we were coming back or they were close games, but we were still winning them and they were wins. So no one really cared what the score was because we won. Um, but that pitching staff was rock solid um, from let's say late April to the all-star break. Right, and it was something that was very unusual to see from a Yankee team in a long time. So I think they need to kind of just fill in the holes a little bit, or just get a little bit more depth. Because I do agree with Jeff, right? Trey Turner would be a, a an amazing addition, and who wouldn't want him? We'd probably have to break the bank for him because of mm-hmm. the position he plays and the age he's at. I mean, he's kind of put himself in the prime position you're a shortstop at 26 27 years old entering the free agent market i mean you're gonna get paid um but i mean look i mean I, i'm still gonna give i mean look i'm, I'm i want to give volpe a shot and i want to give you know cabrera and peraza a shot too i mean 
I mean, look, Cabrera really sucked for us in the beginning, but um, he was up, up in the big leagues for, what, maybe like a month? He played in a position that he never played before, and he had six home runs in a month. Mm-hmm. Right, So he figured out the pitching, and his batting average was going up. Um, and IKF only hit four in 150-plus games. Cabrera something did it in like, like 20 or 30. So you got to think that there's something there. Um, they just got to figure out where he can start. And he's a switch hitter too, and he's a great defender. You know, We've seen him in the outfield. Um, he shot everybody, probably himself to that matter. Um, and he can play the infield. So I just think that it's pitching in any way they can, whether it's Rendon, I saw Nola's, um, Nola's on the market. Even if they get Syndergaard, who's pitching right now, he's kind of, as of now, he's kind of calmed down a little bit. Um, okay. You know, I, that's, that, I don't know. I just think it's pitching uh, for me beyond obviously wanting to re-sign Aaron Judge at a reasonable price. Um, so, so would you prioritize at all cutting down on the strikeouts on the offensive side? Or would that be uh I mean, you have to prioritize that, but I think that just comes down to, I don't think it's the hitter's fault. I think everyone is capable of cutting it down. I think it's the philosophy in that clubhouse that has to change. I don't think it's the players. It's their philosophy. And it's the coaching, the management. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Okay. And also too, like, I think, I think coming into next year with the no shift, I think that's going to play a big role in, you know, every, everyone's full, everyone's mindset. Now that's a good point. Everyone's in the game. Um, I think we're going to get back to seeing higher averages, more hits, because that was, I, th- I feel like that's a problem and probably one of the reasons why the game has taken a severe downfall in viewership and just overall popularity, right? Because they're sure. low scoring games. It's, you know, pitching's dominating it, it's not hitting. Um, so hopefully we're going to get back to it. I know people are kind of like pissed about it, but like, I mean, it's kind of getting you know, a little, like a little ridiculous, you know, with, with mm-hmm. the shifting. So, so I meant to ask you guys, what's the penalty for like, let's say, let's say guys are like out of the box, like, cause it's like box, right? Not by literal boxes on the field, but like to where guys can't move out of their position, right? Before a ball's hit. What is the penalty for that? If someone's like out of their position, you know what I mean? Like if there's a shift formed, there has to be some sort of penalty for that. There probably is. Do you guys know what that is? I don't I mean, know what that is. I mean, I am at it's one of those things probably where the umpires just have to check where they are every play and be like, hey, you can't do that. Move back over kind of thing. Um, Before the play does, begins. Yeah, it if it doesn't get caught by an umpire and like it happens like I don't know, like I don't know, five yard penalty still first down. Like I, I, <laughs> I don't know what it would be, but like that that that's what it would be. Like the other coach screaming, "Hey, he's in the box!" Oh, damn, he is. Move it back. Like I don't know. I don't know what the penalty is. Redo the play. Yeah, you're basically having these baseball players in stations now. I mean, they've always been stations, but never like mandatory stations now if you're banning a shift, right? So this is kind of uncharted territory when you really think about it. I was just curious. Like, I, I, that's a good point, actually, AC, with the fact that this is really going to benefit the Yankees in terms of their pole hitting and things like that. It's really going to help, actually, drastically with guys like, yeah, first off, like Aaron Hicks, guys like, guys like Stanton a little bit. 
Um, most of those guys that really pull lefty hitters, right? Rizzo, Matt, if he comes back, massive one. So yeah, this will be great. I'm very excited to see the no shift as a Yankee fan because I know most of the offense is pull hitting. So I just don't know what the penalty would be or if it would be in, um, you know, would there be oversight during the actual inning? I think that's probably the better guess is that it will probably be some sort of oversight. That would be my best guess. All right. Is there anything you guys want to add before we go? No. All good? Yeah, I think yeah, that's I think uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I think by, that's uh, it. Yeah, All right. By the time we're back next week, World Series will be over, barring any um, fantastical uh, weather pattern shifts. Yeah, Tuesday will be our final show, Swing the Twig. So Dom will be here. He actually just confirmed to me as we were going, so that should be pretty exciting. So it will be our last swing the twig before we move over and we start doing the Yankee State of Mind so these guys can start having more fun in the offseason and uh, we can start previewing the regular season once we get uh, further along in the winter, closer to springtime. So that should be really exciting. So, all right, we will see you guys on Tuesday. Let's hope the Phillies can make some sort of comeback in some way, shape, or form. Until that time, have a great weekend. See you Tuesday. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Swing the Twig podcast. If you really love this show, please give us a five-star review and be sure to subscribe. If you have any questions, comments, thoughts, or concerns, email the podcast at swingthetwig at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on social media, go to our Instagram at swingthetwigpod, or you can go on Twitter at swingtwig.